Chapter number 4, that's where we will uh, begin each night if God would allow the book of Revelation. Chapter 4, and uh, I went over time last night, and uh, that was not my intention, but I make no apologies, but I do want to try to get through a lot of material, but in doing so, I want to ensure that we don't lose anybody. Amen? Amen. Uh, If we're not careful, we can do more harm than we can good. 2 Timothy tells us to rightly, to study, to show ourselves approved as a good workman. He teaches us, according to the Word of God, according to that verse, to rightly divide the Word of truth. And that's what we're trying to do. You may not agree with the context uh, that I teach this in, and that's okay. We, we don't have to agree. But I am trying to challenge each of you to take notes, go home, and study for yourself. That's what this is about. If we had more Christians in America that were Christians in heart than just in name, our country would be in a lot better condition. You talk to everybody. Everybody thinks they're going to heaven. But that's not so tonight. He, uh, The book of Revelation, uh, chapter number 4 uh, and verse number 1, the Bible says, After this, I looked. And we know that is the Apostle John. And we also uh, have called him the John the Revelator. After this, I looked. We spent a lot of time on that last night. But after this, I looked. And behold, the door was opened in heaven. And the first voice which I heard was a, as it were of a trumpet talking with me, which said, Come up hither, and I will shew thee things which must be, here's the theme for the whole week, hereafter. What's that statement mean hereafter? That means what is going to take place after this point. Now, let me just say tonight, Revelation chapter 1 Revelation chapter 2 and Revelation chapter 3 is still during the church age. That is the writing to the seven churches of Asia. And those seven churches are also symbolic of seven different phases of churches that we will go through. And I'm not talking about Union Valley being a phase. Uh, Let's just take for a minute. I won't spend more than two minutes right here. In Revelation chapter 3 and verse 14, we find that the angel of the church of Laodiceans write, uh, These things saith the Amen, the faithful and true witness, uh, the beginning and the creation of God. I know thy works, that thou art neither hot or neither cold nor hot. I would that uh, I would thou work cold or hot. So then, because thou art lukewarm, and neither cold nor hot, I will spew thee out of my mouth. Because thou sayest, I am rich and increased with goods and have need of nothing and knowest not that thou art wretched and miserable and poor and blind and naked. I counsel thee to buy of me gold tried in the fire that thou mayest be rich and white raiment that thou mayest be clothed and that the shame of thy nakedness do not appear, 
and anoint thine eyes with eyesalve that thou mayest see. As many as I love, I rebuke and chasten. Be zealous, therefore, and repent. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man hear my voice and open the door, I will come in to him and will sup with him and he with me. To him that overcometh will I grant to sit with me in my throne, even as I also overcame and am set down with my Father in his throne. He that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit saith unto the churches. Now let me say tonight that as the church of Laodicea is a phase, if you will, symbolically teaching, Prior to that was the church of Philadelphia, of brotherly love. And uh, let's concentrate just for a minute on the church of Laodicea, which is the last phase. I've heard some say we're not living there. We're living back in uh, the church at Philadelphia. Or I've even heard some say Sardius. I don't know exactly which phase you want to say we're living in. But let me just say, if I had to say for myself, not scriptural, just my opinion, I think we're in Laodicea. I think that we've got more in society than we've ever had before. I think we've got more money per person, per family, per capita than any other time in the history of mankind. You go back a hundred years ago, you didn't have Walmart if you needed something. You had to grow your food and you had to depend on the Lord to send the rain, send the sun and just to send just enough rain. Well, preacher, what are you saying tonight? I'm saying tonight at that day and in that phase, if you will, the churches were more on fire because they needed the Lord more than we do today. So today, if we need a new automobile, we don't save for it. We just go sign a paper for it. Oh boy, I can see which garden I need to stay in tonight. If, uh, if we're not satisfied with the way this church is going, well, I'll just move churches. We're living in an age of fast food generation. Sadly, in Christianity, the same appetite for the fast food and the one it right now. Let, let you say, preacher, not me. Well, let's just put it to the test. How many of you have wanted something and it hasn't been available and you've gotten a little frustrated through this pandemic? Oh, yeah. Only three of you. Shame on y'all for life. You call the Ford Motor Company. Brother Jordan, did you go back to work this week? Praise the Lord. Brother Jordan was laid off last week. He works at the stamping plant. I hope it's all right. Well, it's too late. I done told it now. <laughs> Brother Jordan was laid off. They make auto body parts down there. They shut them down because there wasn't enough computer chips to put the automobiles together. We're living in a generation where people get upset because something's not available. And let's just be honest, over the last five years, six years, eight years, ten years, if we wanted something, we'd just go get it and everybody's got three or four of them. Yeah. Now, today, if you want something, you better call ahead to make sure they have it. Yeah. Why do we get aggravated? Because we've been used to it being available. 
We're living in a fast food spiritual generation. I don't know why that I keep going other places other than my notes, but you pray for me that I'll at least get in the same boat as where my notes are tonight. Tonight, as we read this scripture this evening, we spoke about the judgment last night, and I'm going to go back there and hit on just one real quick thing. We're going to get on the judgment again, but if you've got your Bibles, we were in the book of Hebrews chapter 9, and many of you could quote that, I know that, but let's just read it tonight if we can, because I want us to see something tonight, and we spoke last night when we ended the uh, uh, the class, we ended with first. Corinthians 11, for if we would judge ourselves, we should not be judged. Well, let me just say tonight that there is only one group of people that has ever been born that will escape this judgment that we're getting ready to read about. Let me clarify what I mean. Hebrews chapter 9 don't, don't shut me down yet. I want you to hear me out because I'm trying to back everything up with Scripture. Line upon line, precept upon precept, here a little, there a little. Hebrews 9 and verse 27, if you found that, say amen. amen. And as it is appointed, we hit on the book of Job last night, how that the end of our life is already appointed. And as it is appointed unto men once to what? die, but after this, the judgment. Is that what your book says? Every single individual that dies will hit judgment immediately after death. Let me clarify. That's not the judgment seat of Christ and that's not the great white throne judgment. That judgment is to determine either you is or you ain't. If y'all can't tell, I'm from up a holler. If you're saved immediately, you go to heaven. Waiting for the Bema seat, the judgment seat of Christ. If you are lost immediately, you go to hell. I'm not out of the book. I'm in the book. But there is a group of people that will escape that judgment. Look at me like a calf looking at a new gate. I'm going to explain my way out of it. Let's reread that verse. 9 and 27. But it is appointed. Somebody help me. Unto men that you and I. Wants to what? Let's stop right there. The ones that will escape that judgment are the ones Paul spoke about in 1 Thessalonians 4 when he said, And we which are alive and remain shall be what? Caught up together to meet the Lord in the air. That group of people could be you. Could be this generation that is born again coming, looking for the day when the Lord will roll back the clouds as a scroll and the last trump of God will sound and He'll say, come up hither and the dead in Christ shall rise first and we, thank God, we, thank God, we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together to meet Him in the air. We are going to escape 
Hebrews 9, 27. If you disagree with me, stand up. I'm not trying to embarrass nobody. I'm just trying to make sure that we all understand that we get to go to the front of the line. <laughs> you go to Disney World, never been. You go to Disney World, they tell me that you can buy a special pass. A special pass that will allow you to walk past all them bozos. <laughs> Lord, I probably shouldn't have said. All them people that are, that are standing in line for two hours. You pay enough money, you get to go to the front of the line. Can I tell you what's going to happen to the blood-bought born again that are left here, honey, uh, uh, that are alive here uh, when the Lord, uh, thank God, says come up hither. Uh, we get to go to the front of the line. Uh, we're not, thank God, uh, we're not going to have to stand uh, and He's going to say, what have you done with my son? Uh, and Are you a Christian or are you not? Uh, thank God He already knows we are uh, because the Holy Spirit that's inside of the child of God uh, is what draws us up. Uh, and off the planet earth uh, and takes us uh, under the front of the line. <laughs> Preacher, I just don't know that I believe that. Well, you can believe it any way you want to. I'm teaching it right now. And I'm trying to back up everything with Scripture. And we can, uh, we can disagree on things. Amen. I, I, I'm not, please, please understand I'm not trying to be harsh with nobody. But I am excited that we which are alive, we get to go to the front of the line. We get to go, thank God, we get to bypass Hebrews 9, 27. Thank God that means something to me. But let's just talk tonight. We're going to talk about two places, heaven or hell. Uh, and we're going to try to do that real quick, fast, like in a hurry. If you listen fast, I'll try my best to teach fast without preaching. I know that's, some of you that know me, that's a hard thing for me to do. The book of Psalms, chapter 9, let me... Try to write this down. I'm going to give you three verses of Scripture. Write it down. Then I'm going to go back and read them. Can we do that? All right. Psalms 9 and verse 17. Isaiah 5 and verse 14. Ezekiel 33 and verse 11. Psalms 9 and 17. Isaiah 5 and 14 and Ezekiel 33 and verse 11. Let me give you one more. And it's really out of place in this, but I have to give you a contrasting verse because I believe it will help you. I'm going to go to the book of Psalms 9 and 17. If you found that, if you want to... Follow along and say amen. The Bible says the wicked shall be turned into hell. And all nations that forget God. Isaiah 5 and 14. Therefore hell hath enlarged herself. Oh my, my, my. And opened her mouth without measure. And their glory and their multitude and their pomp. And he rejoiced, he that rejoiceth shall descend into 
it. I'm going to come back and hit that verse just a minute with a hammer. But I want to hit Ezekiel 33 and verse 11. Let me give you one more to write down. Matthew 25 verse 41. But let's, let's stay right here in Ezekiel 33 and verse 11. And by the way, in case you don't know where it's at, the book of Ezekiel chapter 28 verse 14 is where it begins. If you want to learn about the devil, I wish I had a whole week to study on the devil. I'm telling you, he's a mean feller. Amen. Ezekiel 33 and verse 11. I want you to catch this statement. Say unto them, as I live, saith the Lord God, I have no pleasure in the death of the wicked. Who's the wicked? The sinners. The wicked are those that have not been born again. The wicked are those that have not been saved. The wicked are those that have not repented and asked for the Lord's forgiveness of their sins. You say, preacher, why would the Lord put that verse in there? Let's reread that part, that part of the verse. As I live, saith the Lord, I have no pleasure in the death of the wicked. Preacher, why would the Lord say that? Because the Lord knows that we ought to know that once we die as a sinner, it's too late. Amen. I've been to memorial services where individuals have died. I've been to uh, funerals where they have said, let's pray for so-and-so that died. It's too late Amen. to pray for them. That's why the Lord said, I take no pleasure in the death of the wicked. Amen. Let me give you a contrasting verse. The book of Psalms. Go with me. I want you to read this one with me. The book of Psalms, 116th chapter of the book of Psalms. And verse number 15. This is in contrast to that verse. If the Lord does not take any pleasure in a sinner dying, there is a contrasting verse. Psalms 116, verse 15. If you find that, say amen. amen. Precious in the sight of the Lord is the death of His saints. If He takes no pleasure in the death of the sinner because it's too late for them, then why would, he say, why would he say precious in the sight of the Lord is the death of his saints? Let me tell you why. Because there's going to be a homecoming. <laughs> I love homecomings. My goodness, I love to eat. And thank God I know I'm going to eat there. But I love homecoming. One of my greatest memories from being a child uh, is when we'd go to Mama's and Papa's. Huh? And my goodness, all the family was there. Kept some of the kin that we hadn't seen uh, in a little while. Uh, and thank God the table would be spread. Huh? Precious in the sight of the Lord huh? is the death of His saints. Huh? Can I tell you, church, what it's going to be like huh? when we get to the land where we'll never grow old. Huh? When we get to the land uh, where we'll never sleep no more. Huh? When we get to the land, uh, thank God, where there'll be no death. Huh? Where there'll be no pain. Huh? There'll be no sickness. Huh? And he, thank God the former things have passed away. Huh? He said, Behold, I make all things new. And thank God tonight, you understand that one day we're going to see Jesus, the one that died for us. And not only Him, we're going to...
going to be able to see our family that has outrun us in the race. He said, I take no pleasure in the death of the wicked. If you're here lost tonight and you die without Jesus, that's not pleasing unto the Lord. Amen. And I promise you, one millisecond after death, you will regret dying without Jesus. Psalms 116 and verse 15, precious in the sight of the Lord, is the death, oh my lambs, of His saints. The book of Matthew, you pray for me because if I'm not careful, I can see right now, I can throw all this out and I can just take off a preaching, but that's not... That's not what I, I, I just feel like the Lord wants me to teach. And boy, I'll tell you, in my spirit, Lord, I am, you just pray for me. The book of Matthew, the 25th chapter in verse 41. As you hold your finger there, I'm going to go back and I'm going to hit on Isaiah 5 and 14 again, which I read just a minute ago. I said I'm going to come back and hit it with a hammer. Therefore, hell hath enlarged herself. And opened her mouth without measure. Matthew 25 and verse 41. If you found that, say amen. Amen. Then shall he say unto them on the left hand, Depart from me, ye cursed into everlasting fire. Look at this next statement. This next statement is the whole principle theme of this verse that I'm wanting to bring out. Prepared for the devil and his angels. If you go to hell, you will be trespassing against God's will. It is not God's will that any should perish, but that all should repent. Amen. You understand tonight, hell was not created for the human beings. Hell is a holding place. It is a jail cell, if you will, of torment built for the devil and his angels. Amen. We might get on a Friday. We might not get on a Friday. It might be a Sunday night message. Amen. The dragon in the book of Revelation and the third of the stars from heaven, they were cast out. Those stars represent a third of the angels of glory. Huh. What are you saying, preacher? All I'm saying is the devil... And the angels had a place reserved for them of punishment, of judgment, of torment. And if a human being dies without Jesus Christ, hell is where they will go when they die. Preacher, I don't believe you. Well, let's just see what the Word of God says. The Gospel according to St. Mark chapter 9 You write that down, verse 43 through 48. And the Gospel of St. Luke, chapter 16. I'm going to drive a little bit through chapter 16. I'm 21 minutes in. I'm trying to watch it. So you pray for the preacher. Mark 9 and 43. And I want you to pay attention to the last part of the sentence in verse 43. Verse 45 and verse 47. And also, I'm sorry, also verse 44. 
Well, just pay attention to the last part of this sentence in all six of these verses. Verse 43, the Bible says, And if thy hand offend thee, cut it off. It is better for thee to uh, enter into life maimed than having two hands to go into hell, into the fire that never shall be quenched. Doesn't that sound like it's an eternal fire? Where the their worm dieth not. That worm is your soul. You go to hell, you're not going to escape the torment. If you go to hell, your soul is going to have senses. It's going to feel the pain. I'm going to prove that in a minute. Where the worm dieth not. And the fire is not quenched. And if thy foot offend thee, cut it off. It is better for thee to enter halt in the life than having two feet to be cast into hell into the fire that never shall be quenched where their worm dieth not and the fire is not quenched. And if thy eye, if thine eye offend thee, pluck it out. It is better for thee to leave the, it is better for thee to enter into the kingdom of God with one eye than having two eyes and be cast into hell fire where their worm dieth not and the fire is not quenched. You say, preacher, that's awfully hard teaching. And that's awfully hard to accept what you're reading tonight. Well, let me just try to Put it in layman's term for a moment if I can. Um, It would be better for you to lose if you've got a hand problem. Let 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 me clarify. If you've got a hand problem where your hand keeps touching things that it shouldn't touch. Come on. Amen. It'd be better for you to lose that hand. Amen. And go to heaven. If you've got a foot problem and you go to places where you shouldn't be going, it'd be better for you to cut that foot off and go to heaven. If you've got an eye problem, (laughs) what do you mean an eye problem, preacher? If you've got an eye problem, you're looking at things you ought not be looking at. <coughs> What's getting quiet in the sanctuary? It'd be better for you to pluck them eyes out and go to heaven than it would to enter into hell with both eyes. How many of you have ever heard of Franny, Fanny Crosby? Oh, yeah. Vicki, tell us one of the songs that she wrote. Amazing grace. How sweet. The sound. The sound. She wrote, if I'm not mistaken, over 10,000 church hymns. Fanny was blind. She was not born blind. But in her infancy, she developed a cold. And some crackpot doctor tried wiping her eyes out with a solution that blinded her. 
In one interview, they asked her, Sister Fanny, if you could have your eyesight back, would you like to have it? She said, no. I've been able to see more clearly. Amen. She went on to say that I wouldn't want to have my eyesight back because the first one that I want to see is the one who died for me. Amen. See, let's, let's just be honest right here. Let's just be real. There's a lot of things that touch in this society. Yeah. I mean, you can be as touchy in this generation as you want to be touchy. Yeah. I mean, there's all kinds that would let you touch on them. Yeah. Come on. Oh, my. I hit a stump. You know what? I've been fishing long enough to know if I get hung up on a stump, I just keep circling the boat around until I get unhung. <laughs> I mean, there's enough beer joints and strip joints around that if you want to go and touchy, touchy, if you just want to keep walking and keep doing your thing, you can keep doing that in this generation. And in some circles, that's accepted, but not in the house of God. Not in the family of God. And in this generation, we're living in a generation that's got the internet in every home, that's got more pornography available to it than any other generation before. And if you want to look at it, you can look at it. But if that's a temptation, you better just pluck your eyes out. Because it'd be better if you could lose your eyesight and go to heaven than it would go to hell. Well, some of y'all might be thinking, well, that old preacher, he's awful hard now. Bless God, I'm just giving you the book tonight. Amen. You understand tonight, the gospel still works. Amen. And it has not changed. Amen. We have. Amen. So, preacher, what were you saying a minute ago? Look with me in the gospel of Luke chapter 16. And I want to read this, these verses to you. I'm going to start in verse number 19. I'm going to read all of these tonight uh, from 19 through 31. And as I read these tonight, I want to clarify what maybe some of your Bibles say. Let me, let me explain what I mean by that. Not the Scripture, but in some Bibles, you know, you've got these little titles between the Scripture breaks. Some of your Bibles will say the parable of Lazarus and the rich man. This is not a parable. In parables, when Christ spoke in parables, He taught generally speaking. He did not use names. That's right. This is a true account of two individuals that were alive. Amen. Yeah. Luke 16 and 19. There was a certain rich man. If it was a parable, would you say there was a rich man? But there was a specific individual that the Lord had in mind. There was a certain rich man which was clothed in purple and fine linen and fared sumptuously every day. And there was a certain beggar named Lazarus. Boy, he gave his name. Let's just stop right there. Some of you may say, well, why did they give the poor man's name and why didn't they give the rich man's name? I'm going to answer that here in just a minute, but I want you to be thinking about that. I hope I'm, I hope I'm poking your imagination which was laid at the gate, or laid at his gate, full of sores, and desiring to be fed with crumbs, which fell from the rich man's table. Moreover, the dogs came and licked his sores. 
And it came to pass that the beggar died and was carried by the angels into Abraham's bosom. Stop right there for a minute. Abraham's bosom is before the death of Christ. Abraham's bosom was also referred to as paradise. Right. Remember when Christ was on the cross and the thief on the one side yeah. said, Lord, remember me when thou comest into thy kingdom. Y'all know where I'm at? Yeah. He said, today thou shalt be with me in paradise. You know where that was? It was in the earth. Amen. See, hell was divided into two chambers. Right. The torment side was where uh, Hades, it was where hell was torment, flames of fire. And the other side of hell was the place uh, of Abraham's bosom. It was paradise. I'm going to clarify that just a little more here in a minute. But I want you to think about whenever the Lord Jesus spoke and he said, As Jonah was in the belly of the well, but so shall the Son of Man, that's Jesus, he said, so shall the Son of Man be in the heart of the earth. Three days and three nights. We find in the book of Ephesians, if I'm not mistaken, that the Bible teaches that he led the captivity captive. You know what he did when he died? Help me, Lord, to get back to Luke. I mean, it's... They just fly over and I grab them so you pray for me. Whenever the Lord Jesus went to the heart of the earth for three days and three nights, you know what he was doing? I do. He took the keys to hell, to death, and to grave. And the devil's the only booger in town that don't have the keys to his own house. Thank God tonight. He went to the paradise side of hell. He preached himself died, born of a virgin, crucified, buried, uh, and about to be risen again. You know what he was was saying, butcher? Boys, follow me, I know the way out. You say, why, preacher, are you saying that? Because according to the scripture, well, I'm really going to throw you a curveball. Whenever the Lord Jesus died, the graves opened. I'm in the book. So the saints which slept got up and walked around that holy city. You say, preacher, why? Because Jesus, when he moves, he has an effect. Amen. Amen. You realize I was a dead man sitting in a pew when I come by, and Jesus passed my way. And you know what happened to other people? I had to get up out of my grave. And thank God I had new life living in me. You realize tonight, all things, old things are passed away. Behold, all things become new. When Jesus passes by, he makes a difference. Lord, help me to get back in Luke. I hope I haven't left y'all in paradise. And it came to pass, the beggar died and was carried by the angels into Abraham's bosom. Thank God the child of God gets an escort. Amen. The rich man also died and was buried. And in hell, he lift up his eyes, being in torments, and seeth Abraham afar off, and Lazarus in his bosom. So the rich man who is dead in hell, he's got his eyesight. Yeah. He can see. Yeah. Now, if you're lost tonight, you think about who your neighbors are going to be in hell. 
I hope to hit on that before the night's up. The Bible teaches that he cried and said, Father Abraham, have mercy on me. He had his voice. Yeah. And I'm just going to go a little more. He had his intuition. He had his guilt. He had his conscience. Right. Yeah. It was too late. Amen. He was calling for help yeah. from the depths of hell. Yeah. You're not going to go to hell and be burned up and be over. Amen. Forever and ever and ever. Amen. You reject Jesus here. Maybe it'll be too late. Amen. Have mercy on me in verse 24. And send Lazarus that he may dip the tip of his finger in water. That, that speaks to his desire. That he may dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue. That speaks to him wanting to have relief. Right. Yeah. For I am, look at this testimony, mm -hmm. tormented yeah. in this what? Flame. Yeah. Hell's not going to be a party. No. You're not going to go there and sell water. Amen. You're not going to go there with your buddies and have a good time. Neighbor, if you go to hell, you're going to be in torment and you're going to be in suffering forever because you died without Jesus. Amen. Verse 25. Look, look at Abraham's witness. Abraham said, Son, remember that thou in thy lifetime receivest thy good things and likewise Lazarus the evil things. But now he is comforted, and thou art tormented. Watch this statement. And beside all this, between us and you, there is a great gulf fixed, so that they which would pass from hence to you cannot, neither can they pass to us that would come from hence. Then he said, I pray thee therefore, Father, isn't it amazing how much reverence he developed while he was in hell? Yeah. Amen. Probably had no time for God while he was alive. Right. But as soon as the flames got his feet. Yeah. Yeah. Amen. It's amazing how many people develop religion when an affliction comes in their life. Yeah. Amen. Amen. There's nothing wrong with that as long as you stick with it. Amen. You understand that? Amen. But you, you better understand tonight. God doesn't play games. Amen. Amen. And Abraham said, We gotta help the Lord. And beside all this, all right, let me pick it up in verse 27. Then he said, I pray thee, therefore, Father, that thou wouldst send him to my father's house. For I have five brethren. He remembered his family. Yes. That he may testify unto them lest they also come into this place of torment. Abraham saith unto him, They have Moses and the prophets. Let them hear them. What's this statement? Yes. And he said, Nay, Father Abraham, but if one went unto them from the dead, they will repent. Amen. Let's just look at a little bit of prophecy real quick, fast like and in a hurry. If one went unto them, from the dead. Remember what Jesus did? We're living in the we're living in the age. Yeah. Yeah. We've got church age because Jesus came to us. Amen. Yeah. Amen. From 
today, Father Abraham, that if one went unto them from the dead, they will repent. And he said unto them, If they hear not Moses and the prophets, right. neither will they be persuaded, though one rose from the dead. You say, Preacher, you said just a few minutes ago you were going to tell us why that the Bible gave the name of Lazarus, who is the child of God, and why that they did not give the name of the rich man who was a sinner. Let me explain. Jesus told his disciples, he said, Rejoice not that the subjects are spirit or the spirits are subject unto you, but rejoice that your names are written in heaven. In heaven. Well, preacher, what are you saying? I'm just simply saying they didn't give the name of the rich man because his name wasn't written. Right. Yeah. Amen. Amen. They gave Lazarus' name because. <laughs> Whenever Lazarus died, they pulled out the book. Amen. Yeah. And it ain't Peter that stands at the gate with the book of the registry. Right. It's the Lamb. Amen. Preacher, what are you saying? Is your name in the book of life? Is your name in the Lamb's book of life? Is your name in the registry of heaven? You say, Preacher, what are you saying? Let me hit on this real quick, fast, like I'm in a hurry. Revelation 21 and verse 8. And I'm going to try to spend just the last part of this. Uh, I've added to the picture up here tonight. I'm not sure if you all caught that. I thought it was going to get there, but I'm not. <laughs> and I did. you got to be smarter than the equipment you use. I loosened them knobs and tried to flip that thing over and couldn't figure it out last night and tonight. I wrestled that stupid whiteboard. And then I looked and there's a plunger down there you got to pull. you got to be smarter than the equipment. Amen. Pastor, I need to stand corrected. The Lord convicted me and reminded me it wasn't amazing grace. It's blessed assurance. I apologize for that. I totally wasn't thinking that. I believe the uh, author of amazing grace was a slave ship Isaac. captain. Isaac Newton. Is that right? Right. Now watch this in the book of Revelation chapter 21 verse 8. Now let me just stop right here and try not to confuse anybody. One day, hell is going to be emptied out. I told you a while ago that hell is a holding place. It's a prison of torment. If you go to hell, there is no opportunity for you to go to heaven. Amen. Amen. Yeah. So, well, where am I going to empty out of? You're going to be cast into the lake of fire. Amen. Amen. And hell, hell was just an appetizer right. of the torment that is to come. Amen. Revelation 21, verse 8. Look at your neighbors if you go to hell. I'm not talking about the ones you live beside right now. If you go to hell, look at the ones you're going to be with. 21 verse 8. But the fearful and unbelieving and abominable and murderers and whoremongers and sorcerers and idolaters and all liars shall have their part in the lake which burneth with fire and brimstone, which is the second death. Let me just stop right here for a minute and say I don't want to live in this world 
beside of people that will rob me blind. Amen. Amen. Maybe y'all do, and that's okay. If that's what y'all, I'm not trying to, I'm not trying to convict or condemn anybody. I'm just speaking about me. I don't want to live raising my daughter and my son beside of a child molester. Amen. Amen. I don't want to live beside of a home so close that their music is so loud all night long and the drugs and the alcohol and the partying is going on. But if you go to hell and those people that I just described do not repent, that'll be your neighbors. The pedophiles. The murderers. If you wouldn't live Beside of them down here. Why would you want to go to hell with them? Amen. 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 Preacher, what are you saying? I'm just simply saying tonight, you have a choice to who you live beside of. I'm not talking about down here. I'm talking about after here. The hereafter. See, if you choose life, the Bible teaches that uh, those that have known the Lord. He gave power to become sons of God. He gave us eternal life at that time. And you recognize a parent for Trey, a little boy. A little boy Trey right there. All right. Thank you, Colin. All right. So we've got the situation where that we are living in a generation where people just want to come and do whatever they want to do. But the fact of the matter is, is if you don't want to spend eternity with those kind, you've got an opportunity to change that. Mm-hmm. Tonight, if you would, grab your Bibles. Let me give you some verses. I'm going to give these to you. I've got them written up here on the board. If you want to jot them down, you want to take a picture of them, whatever you want to do, I'm going to read them. I'm trying to get out of here real quick, fast, like in a hurry. We're at 44 minutes, 28 seconds. Pretty close to it. Last night we went about an hour and ten minutes, if I'm not mistaken. If you want to write these down, if you don't have something to write them down, you go back and pull up Facebook and you can re-listen to this and get them down. The book of Romans chapter 14 and verse 10, the Bible says, and this is Brother Paul, the Apostle Paul, and he is speaking unto the church at Rome. Everything that I give you on this side of the board and that we're going to talk about from here on out is concerning the Bema seat, the judgment seat of Christ. That's where we will be judged that are saved. You've been blood-bought born again. You go to heaven. This is where you're going to be judged. Romans 14 and 10, But why dost thou judge thy brother? Or why dost thou set at not thy brother? Look, look at this statement. For we shall all stand before the judgment seat of Christ. What's that mean, the judgment seat of Christ? There is coming a day where Jesus Christ himself will sit on the judgment seat. And that judgment seat in Greek, the word is Bema, B-E-M-A. As we've got written up here, that Bema seat is an elevated seat, is an elevated throne where you and I will be 
looking up to him. And we will give an account for everything unrepented in our life, everything since being a Christian that we have done correctly, that we have not done correctly. Look, look at this. Malachi 3 and 16. You say, preacher, Lord won't remember. Well, let's just see what the book says. Then they feared, then they that feared the Lord spake often one to another, and the Lord hearkened and heard it. And a book of remembrance was written before him that for them that feared the Lord and thought upon his name. Well, preacher, what are you saying tonight? God keeps good books. Amen. Every thought since I got saved. Now let's let's clarify, let's drive this home. If you get saved tonight and you were a drug dealer, if you get saved tonight, that means to repent of your sins, ask the Lord to forgive you and to accept the Lord Jesus into your heart. If you get saved tonight, your name is written in heaven in the Lamb's Book of Life and every sin that you ever created is blotted out. Amen. of the book of remembrance it is blotted out it is ripped out it is it might even be beside of that it might have all of these sins uh push peels uh, cooked meth uh, uh, slept with three married women uh, it might have all of that and beside of it it might be scratched out and it might have the statement paid in full uh, you realize tonight he paid a debt. I, thank God he paid a debt I couldn't pay. I, I owed a debt he could, that he didn't know. But he paid it on my behalf. I got saved. Been living a Christian life for 25 years. Have I been the best Christian? Absolutely not. And let's be honest. When I stand before that judgment seat, there's some things that I regret. There's some things I wish I would have done differently. There's some things I wish that I would have laid that gospel track down at that location. I wish I would have went to visit that individual that died two days later. See, I'm going to have to give an account for that. Also, as a pastor, I'm going to have to give an account for every altar call, every message that I preach. See, those are the works. Since I have been born again, those are the works that I have done or have not done that I'm going to give an account for. Let's, let's just see what the Word of God says. John 5 and 22, For the Father judgeth no man, but hath committed all judgment unto the Son. So Jesus, again, He's going to be our judge. Well, preacher, what's He going to judge us by? He's going to judge us by the Word of God. Acts 10 and 42, and he commanded us to preach unto the people and to testify that it is he which was ordained of God to be the judge of the quick and dead. Acts 17 and verse 31, because he hath appointed a day. There's already a day. Let's stop right here. There was an appointed day when Jesus was going to be conceived by the Holy Spirit of God and Mary. 
That didn't just happen by mistake. Amen. Amen. When the fullness of time came. Yeah. See, there came a time that God appointed that day. And there's also appointed a day that you and I will die. And there's also a day appointed that the judgment will take place. And you'll not call the judge and say, Judge, I can't, I can't show up today. Acts 17 and verse 31. Because he hath appointed a day in which he will judge the world in righteousness by the man whom he hath ordained. Who is that? That is the Lord Jesus Christ. Colossians 3 and 24. Knowing that the Lord ye, knowing that of the Lord ye shall receive. Look at that statement. Knowing that of the Lord ye shall receive the reward of the inheritance. For ye shall serve the Lord Christ. We're going to get a reward based upon what we have done with him. You say, preacher, I, I, don't, I don't want an award. Well, hold on. The award's not for you. You go over there in the book of Revelation chapter 5 and you'll find, thank God, those crowns, those awards. You know what we get to do with them? We get to cast them at his feet. And when he comes back, we might get there Friday. When he comes back, Brother Jason, on that white horse, he has many crowns. You know what? That Those crowns of glory, those crowns of rejoicing, those crowns of eternal life, all of those crowns that we cast at his feet, he comes back yeah. with many crowns. Let's go on. Revelation 2, and verse 20 through verse 23. If you want to go there, I'm going to read this, and I just want to make sure that we understand he's talking to the church. Verse 20 says, Notwithstanding, I have a few things against thee, because thou sufferest that woman Jezebel, which calleth herself a prophetess, prophetess to teach and to seduce my servants to commit fornication and to eat things sacrificed unto idols. And I gave her space to repent of her fornication, and she repented not. Behold, I will cast her into a bed, and them that commit adultery with her into great tribulation, except they repent of their deeds. Look at this verse. And I will kill her children with death. Look at this statement. And all the churches shall know that I am he which searcheth the reins and hearts. And I will give unto every one of you according to your works. Mm. Does that make you nervous? It does, man. Say, so not me, preacher. You ain't got it yet. I mean, let's be honest. If that doesn't make you nervous, you're not perfect. Amen. Please understand, I'm not trying to browbeat anybody. But I am trying to help us to see that as a child of God, we've got a work to do. So as that scripture we read, I'm going to really, well, 1 Corinthians chapter 3. Do I have that up there? Yeah, 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 11 through 16. I'm going to hit on that. You might not agree with me, and I, that's fine. I'm not going to. I'm not going to argue with you. And if you have a difference of opinion, that's fine. God knows my heart. We're not going to fall out over it. 
I'm going to love you, and I hope you love me. If you don't, you ain't saved. Man, that's a big pill to get down. You understand, we're not all going to have the same belief structure. And I'll be honest with you, been in this thing 25 years, my beliefs, some would say they've matured, my beliefs have went back and forth. Maybe y'all ain't ever had that problem. You get into the book and you see it one way and then you get over here and you see it another way, but I just don't know. And then you just pray through. And all I can tell you tonight is you got to pray through. You believe it the way God gives it to you, but you make sure tonight you don't take man's word for nothing unless the word of God says it. First Corinthians chapter number 3 and verse number 11, the Bible says, For other foundation can no man lay than that is laid. What is that foundation? Which is Jesus Christ. Amen. Now, if any man build upon this foundation gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, stubble, every man's work shall be made manifest. For the day shall declare it, because it shall be revealed by fire, and the fire shall try every man's work of what sort it is. That's right. If you have a work for the Lord, please make sure that it's for the Lord. Yes. Amen. Yes. See, if it's built of wood and stubble, God's fire will burn it up. Amen. Amen. I'm still in the book. First Corinthians 3 and 14. If any man's work abides, abides, which he hath built thereon, thereon what? Him. Him. He is the foundation. Amen. See, my preaching would be in vain if I was not built on the foundation of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Laying gospel tracts. It wouldn't do you a bit of good to lay down gospel tracts if you were not on the foundation of Jesus Christ. Vicky, it wouldn't do you any good to get up there and sing a gospel song if you were not on the foundation of Jesus Christ. Carmen and Rhonda, it wouldn't do you all any good to make those prayer shawls if you all were not on the foundation of Jesus Christ. You understand? He's the foundation. He's the chief cornerstone that the builders rejected has now been set the head of the corner. If any man's work abide, which he hath built thereon, he shall receive a reward. Boy, look at these. We're going to hit on them in just a minute. In verse 15, if any man's work be burned, he shall suffer loss. Look at this next statement. But he himself shall be saved. Yet so as by fire. I've seen preachers that have lost their testimony. I've seen preachers, I've seen deacons, I've seen few setters that have lost their testimony. And some would say when they died, did they go to heaven? I can't tell you. Well, what do you mean you can't tell me? What I can tell you is they're in the hands of a just and a righteous God. Amen. See, any preacher that stands up at a funeral and preaches somebody into heaven, 
and preaches somebody into hell, we're off base. Amen. Heaven's not mine to give. And hell's not mine to put you in. Work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. Well, preacher, what are you saying? I've seen a lot of Christians that have been church hurt. I've seen a lot of Christians that have been hurt in church and don't go to church anymore. I mean, let's be honest. Say, well, they need to, they need to uh, uh, get back in church. Well, that, that is exactly right. But that just because that they got church hurt and don't go to church doesn't mean they're not saved. Well, I'm going to start buying amens, ain't I? <laughs> you understand, my church attendance is not what says I'm going to heaven. Right. Amen. Amen. What says I'm going to heaven, preacher? What foundation of sin? Amen. That's what says I'm going to heaven. The foolish man built his hand upon the sand. The rains came. The floods came up. And great was the fall of it. But the wise man built his house upon the rock. The same rain came down. The winds beat against it. The floods came up. But you know what happened to that house? It stood firm. Amen. Why? Because it was built on the rock. Amen. Amen. Yeah. Who is that rock? 1 Corinthians 10 and verse 4. If you want if you want a nugget to take home with you, 1 Corinthians 10 and verse 4. I believe it'll help you. Maybe in the days, the weeks, the months to come, 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 4. Doesn't have anything to do with the rewards, but it does have something to do with helping you tonight. 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 4. If you just want to write that down, you don't have to read it right now. 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 4. The Bible says, and by the way, when I say this uh, word rock, it's capitalized. And all did drink that same spiritual drink, for they drank of that spiritual rock which followed them, and that rock was Christ. Christ. That's our foundation. Well, preacher, I've got so-and-so that used to come to church, and I just know they're going to hell. No, you don't know they're going to hell. It ain't up for you to say. It's between the individual and the Lord tonight. If we're saved, we need to be in church. Hebrews 10, 25. Not to forsake the assembling of ourselves together as like manner some have, but so much more as we see the day approaching. We need to be with God's people. We need to be in fellowship. But you understand tonight, we cannot look on the surface and judge people. We can't look on the surface and say, you is, you ain't. Got it? Don't got it. We're not judges. Well, preacher, I'm a fruit inspector. (laughs) Well, you can inspect it all you want to. You don't have to publish your findings. I mean, it'd be real easy, Brother Mike. Can I use you as an example? It'd be real easy, Brother Mike, if he misses this coming Sunday morning. Well, that's Brother Mike. I'm judging his fruit. He ain't in church. He's done fell out. You know what I've done? I've given an opportunity for a wedge of division. I've given an opportunity for my dear brother. 
I hope you don't have to work this Sunday, do you? <laughs> I'll give an opportunity for the devil to divide and for the devil to defeat us. But listen, child of God, if you're built on the foundation of Jesus Christ, let's look at these. Let's look at these crowns. I believe there's more crowns, but this is only the five that I pulled out. One, two, three, four, five, five. Okay, I can count. Thank God. We go through these five verses. I'm an hour and two minutes in. I'm trying to hurry, I promise you. First Corinthians 9 and 25. I'm going to read them. You don't have to read them with me. You can just write them down and take them home and read them and study on them. And every man that striveth, that means to work for. Every man that striveth for the magistrate is temperate in all things. Now they do it to obtain a corruptible crown. But we an incorruptible crown. See, the child of God, we have an incorruptible crown. You say, preacher, I just don't know about that. Let me give you a few more verses. First Corinthians 15 and 52. In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye at the last trump, for the trumpet shall sound... And the dead shall be raised incorruptible. And we shall be changed. That word incorruptible is the Greek word aphortos. Aphortos. And it's also found in 1 Timothy chapter 1 and verse 17. Now unto the king eternal Immortal. That word immortal shares the same word as incorruptible. Can I tell you that one day I'm going to have a crown? That this world cannot corrupt. Look with me as we jump down. 1 Thessalonians chapter 2 and verse 19. We see the crown of rejoicing. Paul writing to the church at Thessalonica. He said, for what is our hope or joy or crown of rejoicing? Are not even ye in the presence of the Lord Jesus Christ at His coming? What's that mean, preacher? There is too much for us to be happy about in this life for us to go around with our head hanging down. Fred has to have her frown on and for us to be going through life saying, Woe is me. Let's be honest. Christ saved me when He didn't have to. He made a change in my life when he didn't have to. I've got a lot to rejoice about tonight. James 1 and 12, crown of life. Blessed is the man that endureth temptation. For when he is tried, he shall receive the crown of life, which the Lord hath promised to them that love him. Let me give you this. Revelation 2.10. Fear none of those things which thou shalt suffer. Behold, the devil shall cast some of you into prison, that ye may be tried, and ye shall have tribulation ten days. For thou, or be thou faithful unto death, and I will give unto thee a crown of life. Second hmm. Timothy 4 8. Henceforth there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness which the Lord the righteous judge shall give me at that day, and not to me only, but unto all them that also love his appearing. Second Timothy 2 and 5 says, And if any man also strive for magistrates, yet 
He is not crowned except he strive lawfully. Church, we've come too far to give up now. First Peter 5 and 14. Look here. The crown of glory. I'm almost done. I promise. And when the chief shepherd, that's the Lord Jesus, shall appear, ye shall receive a crown of glory that fadeth not away. You just imagine having one of these, two of these, three of these, maybe all five of these crowns and being able to cast your crowns, what you've worked for in your Christian life, you'll be able to cast those at his feet. Yeah. Let's be honest, I'll never be able to pay him back. Amen. For what he Amen. But I promise you, I believe that it will be worth it all when we get home to glory and we take our crowns every time we witnessed and somebody give us a cussing, every time that we open the door for somebody and say, God bless you, and they give you a dirty look, every time, amen, neighbor, every time that you tried to give God glory and somebody talked about you, every time that you tried, you know, the scripture says, yea, and all that live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. You realize tonight, we don't have a bed of roses down here, but we do have the garden. Amen. Amen.